You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky, and right beside me is my co-host, my brother, Kevin Fertinsky. What a win. What a win. The Bills go into Kansas City, and it was not a beautiful thing, but it was a beautiful win at the end. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills come up huge to win the game. Taron Johnson... Everyone was getting involved. The Bills go into Kansas City and beat them. For those of you who missed last week's episode, Kevin and I were actually in Kansas City. We were at the game. We are going to be doing, hopefully, one road game every single year. Kevin's actually doing a second one this year, going to Detroit for Thanksgiving. What a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Bills did this last year. And then they stumbled in the playoffs. Let's hope that's not the case again. Kev, being in that atmosphere, wasn't it incredible? And the Kansas City Chiefs fans were super respectful, were they not? Yeah, it was It was great. Really, really impressed with the Kansas City fans. I mean, even after the game, the Bills fans were kind of ragging on them. Um, and... They were nothing, nothing but friendly to us all weekend. Great hosts, and most importantly, we won the game. So you know, I, I'd love to go back to Kansas City because that was an incredible place to see a football game. So let's talk specifically about that game. I want to review a couple things from that game. Let's just start with the fact that the Bills went in, they beat the Chiefs in a quite a hostile environment. They come up with a huge win. Obviously, they squeak it out 24-20. to We all know it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win and get that dub. Let's talk about the resiliency because there were some ups and downs in that game. It wasn't all clean. The Bills didn't look so good early on. To be honest, the game actually looked like it was going to get out of hand when Kansas City was about to go up 10-0 and Kair Elam comes up with a monster interception, his second interception of the season. I'm starting to change my mind a little about him. I started the year out not so thrilled with his play. And yeah, he hasn't been super consistent, but he's been coming up with big impact plays. You and I have talked about this over and over again. It's not just about how many plays you make, it's when you make the plays. And so far, Kair Elam is starting to show that he's a guy that can come up with big plays in big moments. 
You know, he might not be quite there yet in terms of consistency. You know, he might not be a shutdown cornerback yet. But when we need him to make a play, he's making a play. He's a tall, lengthy, very fast cornerback. Different than Trey White. He's not the same as Trey White. Trey White isn't that great at taking the ball away. I think Kair Elam could be better than Trey White at taking the ball away. Of course, Trey White's a great cover corner. But Kair Elam has potential to be even better, potentially. Once Trey White comes back, I was just thinking about our depth at corner with Trey... Dane Jackson, Kyir Elam, Christian Benford, and Taron Johnson. Who has better corners than us in the league? That top five is incredible. And I was also thinking forward to already to our next matchup with the Chiefs if we do end up playing them in the playoffs, and we probably will. Do you match up one of those corners straight up with Kelsey? Maybe you take Trey White and you match him up with Kelsey you have Dane Jackson and Kair on the outside with Taryn Johnson in the slot. Our defense could be even better. We held them to 23 and even better. It's an interesting take. I mean, at first thought, I think I'd be hesitant to move Trey White in basically essentially moving him inside. However, when I think about what happened in this past game now, Kelsey didn't do anything crazy. But he still got his yards. He still did some damage. And it's kind of because we didn't have a good enough guy to take him. So I'm not fully opposed to it. I don't think it's the worst idea based on what we've seen from Dane Jackson, Kair Elam, and the limited snaps that we've seen from Benford. Obviously he got injured. We don't know still quite how healthy he is. But given the depth we're seeing, maybe that's what it becomes because... We have to remember what it, what happened last season. Obviously, the Chiefs also had Tyree Kill, but take him out of the situation here. You have Travis Kelsey, and you couldn't put Trey White on him because you didn't really have anyone outside of Levi Wallace that you could trust on the outside. Dane Jackson was still developing, maybe wasn't quite there. We obviously didn't have Elam or Benford, neither of those top-tier rookies that have looked that good. So the more I think about it, the more I think maybe that is the way we go. I don't think Taron Johnson can take Kelsey. I don't. I think he's a great slot corner, but I think he's too small, and I don't think he's physical enough. And then you have Saron Neal, who's obviously a physical player, which is why they put him on Kelsey a lot. But it didn't work. He had penalties. He got beat by Kelsey. So... There isn't really another answer. I mean, obviously you could try putting Dane Jackson on him. You could try putting Kyir Elam or Christian Benford. However, Trey White is your best coverage cornerback. So don't you want to put him on their best receiver? Like, do you really need Trey White taking Juju Smith-Schuster? Do you really need Trey White taking, um, you know, Valdez Scantling? Like, Neither of those guys are elite receivers, and I trust Jackson and Elam and Benford already enough to feel that they can handle them. Now, Juju did break out a little bit, but some of that was on the safety work. We're going to get into that in the stock up, stock down segment. But covering this, it is an interesting take, 
And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that down the line. Honestly, we could see this later on in the season where we have certain teams that we play that have one great player and they just let Trey White shadow him regardless of where that player is on the field. And you just let Dane Jackson and Elam slash Benford handle the outside. I'm not opposed to it. That's the that's probably the way to go. And I actually remember, and I don't recall if it was in the regular season or the playoffs, but Trey White did match up against Kelsey a few times, and he actually performed quite well. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I do remember saying, hey, wow, that was a nice play. Trey White took him out. Actually, wasn't there a play where he like attacked Trey White on the sideline? Unfortunately, the playoffs, he did play a bit against Kelsey, but we didn't have two Trey Whites to cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Now they don't have Tyreek Hill. You put Trey White on Travis Kelsey and you take your chances with those other guys. I think all our corners are, are pretty good. You take away their biggest threat, and that is Travis Kelsey. Valdez Scantling, I don't even think he had, a, he had a catch against us. Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game, but I think he's, I think you can contain him. We didn't do a good job, but I think you can contain him with our other guys. And when Trey White's back, I think it's, to me, him against Kelsey, best on best. If Kelsey beats us, then so be it. But to me, I think you make him beat us against Trey White. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Josh Allen did everything he was supposed to do. Handled his business. That guy's got ice in his veins. We were losing, okay, late in the game. Josh Allen struggled earlier on in the game. He definitely looked a little confused. And that final drive, he just went crazy. You know, he's leaping over guys. He's making big throws. The touchdown to Knox was unbelievable. Honestly, like where we were sitting, we were sitting on the opposite side of the field on the 20-yard line, but we had a perfect view of it. And you could see the play developing. But remember, we're hundreds of feet above. Josh Allen could see what we were seeing when he's on the field. That is impressive. The way that play developed, the way he put it over the linebacker, just where Dawson Knox could get it in the back corner of the end zone was something really, truly special. It's something that Bills fans have never seen. So much props to Jim Kelly. He was a great quarterback. Took us to the Super Bowl four times. Was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. But what Josh Allen is doing right now, what he did in that game against the Chiefs to win the game, final drive, that was it. Then we, then we picked off Mahomes. That was the game. What he did, to me, we have never seen before. And not this consistent. And not with this kind of heart. There's no fear at all. Did he need to leap over a guy? No, but the guy's not afraid. And we can say it all we want. We've said it so many times. You know, Josh, protect yourself. Protect yourself. But you know what? Football players going to play and the guy just loves the game. I've said this so many times. It he really truly loves this game and clearly wants to win it all. And if there's a guy in Buffalo in that Bills jersey that can do it, Josh Allen is the best guy to do it. Through and through, love the guy, love his heart, love his off-field attitude, everything about him. Even when we're losing, you see him on the sidelines. He doesn't get upset. 
Did any of you see the Arizona Cardinals game? Did you see their QB yelling at their coach, arguing he's upset, he takes off his helmet? DeAndre Hopkins had to calm him down. He had to actually settle, settle Kyler Murray down on the side of the field. I have never, ever seen the team need to calm Josh Allen down. At least not for the last two or three years. The guy is a true leader. He is as franchise of a quarterback as you can be. If you look up in the dictionary right now, franchise quarterback, best quarterback in the NFL, you know who you see? Josh freaking Allen, baby. That's who you see. No one else. Not Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that later. Definitely not Thomas Brady. Getting a divorce. Can't play. Loses to the Carolina Panthers. Who are literally trading away their entire team. They're deliberately trying to lose. And what does Brady muster? Three points. He looks like the Bills looked for the last 20 years. That's how Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look. And I am loving it. Let's move on to Stefan Diggs. I want to just do a review from what he's done this season. What he is doing right now is like unprecedented. He's putting up numbers that no other Bills receiver has put up. Both, I think, his multi-digit receptions. No one's ever had. He has 49 receptions. No Bills receiver has ever done that in the first six weeks. Ever. It's never been done. He's second in the league for receiving yards behind Tyreek Hill. He's second for touchdowns behind Travis Kelsey. The guy is playing out of his mind. I'm going to play a quick video. We're not going to play the whole video, but it's some of the highlights of him so far this season. The Rams didn't play anything in the preseason. Zach Moss is the back. Inside it's Diggs and Stephon Diggs with a first down. Terrific opening drive. Got rid of it quick, and once again, it's a first down for Stephon Diggs. Over to the left side, and once again, it's Cotton Diggs has a little room on its sideline. A 21-yard gain to the 29-yard. He's bringing heat out back. Shoulder throw, beautiful catch. Stephon Diggs again. Stephon Diggs working on. He was cooking on Jalen Ramsey. So we will conclude it on that touchdown. You got a little taste of the Rams game. To me, what's most impressive about Stefan Diggs isn't just the stats. Those are unbelievable. But it's the ease at which he's doing it. Some of these plays, he's making it look so simple. I have seen multiple times we're third and long, even third and short, third and mid-range. doesn't seem to matter. But on third downs in particular, he is getting so open. It's like they've like forgotten about him and he'll catch it and he just easily dances around a guy or two, gets another seven, eight yards. The way he is doing this, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. Kev, have you ever seen a guy like this other than maybe Eric Moulds, Andre Reed? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a guy like this in a long time. It's also Josh Allen. It's the connection between the two. Without, without an amazing quarterback, really superstar quarterback, best in the league quarterback, you're not going to get that type of receiver. But to me, Stephon Diggs is just a model of consistency. Every single game, he does the same thing. He gets open, he gets his yardage, 
He's our number one receiver. They know Allen's throwing to him, but they still can't cover him. He's not coverable. He gets open. He gives Allen a place to throw. And most importantly, he catches everything that's near him. The guy is an elite receiver, top five in the league, to pair with the best quarterback in the league. You can't really ask for any more than that. He's an unbelievable teammate. Seems like an unbelievable guy. They have an incredible bond, the two of them. It's just amazing to watch. Nothing like I've ever seen on the Bills. So let's move right along to stock up, stock down. We have a few listed here. Let's start with Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller came up huge in that Chiefs game. That is the reason we signed Vaughn Miller. It was to handle the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And he did so. He came up with some monster plays. He helped force the interception at the end of the game. He got his sacks. And he got consistent pressure. We only sent four guys a lot of the time. And we were getting pressure. That's how you beat top tier offenses. Kev, is there anything else we can ask for Vaughn Miller at this point? I would say no. He was incredible in that game. I was taunting the Kansas City fans just with like 40, baby. All these guys around us were, uh, were like shaking their heads because Vaughn Miller was everywhere in that game. He was making plays all day long. Other than his sacks, he, he did one where he was running for like, felt like 10 seconds to get Mahomes um, on third down to force a field goal, um, which I believe that I think it was the one they missed. But anyways, he, he made some unbelievable plays in the game, and the guy's a superstar. I just can't wait to see him get some sacks in the playoffs. What a gamer. So stock down. We do have a couple. It's, it's interesting. Although we won, it doesn't mean things were perfect. There are some negative things here. Of course, Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie looked atrocious. I don't think there's really another word to describe it. He had a fumble in the first drive. He had at least two horrible drops. One in the end zone. He had another one on a third and long that he probably should have caught. Now, the throws weren't absolutely perfect, but they were more than good enough for a quality NFL receiver. And we had very high hopes for Isaiah McKenzie this year. Coming into the season, a lot of people thought he was going to go off. They thought that he was that third piece, that behind Diggs and behind Davis, that McKenzie was going to be putting up big numbers. And we just haven't quite seen it. I don't know if he's still not feeling right after the concussion. Maybe he's feeling the pressure from Khalil Shakir. We could talk a little bit about that because we can turn this stock down kind of into a stock up. Because Isaiah McKenzie might be a stock down, but Khalil Shakir is a massive stock up. And he, to me, looks like he could easily replace McKenzie and maybe bring more to the table. Am I wrong in saying that? No, certainly not. I mean, if McKenzie keeps playing like that, there's no question. Shakir is the next man up. To me, Shakir has a higher ceiling regardless. So I think Shakir should start seeing the field more. And if we see any more games like that from McKenzie, it, Shakir should be inserted in lineup. Quite frankly, that was embarrassing to watch. Um, another stock down I'd like to mention, uh, DeMar Hamlin. We all, we all saw that game, and DeMar Hamlin on multiple occasions missed tackles. 
one glaring when he knocked into, I believe it was Saran Neal, when he knocked into Saran Neal, couldn't make the tackle on Juju, and Juju Smith-Schuster went in for an easy touchdown. I mean, that doesn't happen if Hyde's on the field. Um, it happened a couple other times. I mean, that is certainly very concerning as without Micah Hyde, our depth at safety is, is minimal. You know, we it's basically DeMar Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson, clearly the coaching staff doesn't trust him because they've started DeMar Hamlin over him. And Jaquan Johnson looked pretty terrible when he played. So that's certainly a concern going forward. So that takes us to the trade deadline. What are the Bills going to do at trade deadline? I mean, they obviously need to do something at safety. I, I don't have the answer. I know that they need to look for a veteran safety. There is no doubt in my mind they need to get a safety. That, to me, should be the priority. It's even more important than a running back at this point because I don't think you can continue to put out Hamlin. I don't think he's good enough. I Either he's not ready or he just isn't what the Bills coaching staff thought he would be. He's not great at tackling. And as a safety, that's pretty much your main job. If you can't crush a guy in open field and he goes for another 50 yards, you have a big, big problem. Let's not forget this wasn't against an elite receiver. This was against Juju Smith-Schuster, who has struggled for like three years in a row now. This is not a guy that's going off. This isn't a big-time receiver. This isn't Tyreek Hill. This isn't Travis Kelsey. And like you said, Jaquan Johnson, obviously also not the answer because the coaching staff is seeing something in practice that they're willing to start Hamlin over him. Of course, we have Jordan Poyer, who looked great again, but we really need someone else. And that other safety doesn't have to be great, but they need to be... Okay, they need to be average. To me, Hamlin and Johnson so far have shown that they're well below average. And those are probably the final missing. That is the missing piece for me, at least on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, Kev, OBJ, what, what's going on here? I mean, I don't think we need another receiver. Not to say that I don't want him. I certainly don't want him going to Kansas City. That is not ideal, but I don't think we need a receiver. Our more, most pressing need, in my opinion, on offense is, our, is at guard on the O-line. I think Ryan Bates has really struggled on the right side. Um, our right side in general actually has struggled pretty badly. I think Spencer Brown has not looked great when he's been in. I think Quesenberry has been average at best. So to me, a right guard or a right tackle could really help us on offense, especially in the run game where we already struggle. I don't. I think actually, I like I like Singletary's play, but I think our O line isn't quite strong enough. Our left side of our line is is decent. Our right side of our line is our is below average and has been a big weakness on our offense. So to me, if we could get a right guard or right tackle, an elite right guard or right tackle, that could really put us over the top. I wouldn't mind us bringing in a running back as well because 
We know this all too well. Running back injuries run rampant in the NFL. And I just can't see Zach Moss. I, I cannot see him. And it scares me. Like if something should happen to Singletary, if something should happen to Cook, we will see Zach Moss again. We finally didn't see him this past week. So I do think we need to bring in another guy. Singletary's look good, but he hasn't been super consistent once again. He's looked good, really good at times and really bad at other times. I'm still not completely trusting of him. I feel like I should be a little more confident in our starting running back. If we need one yard on third and one or even second and one, and we want to throw a team off and we want to run and gain one or two yards, we should be able to do so. And right now, I don't feel confident in that. So to me, maybe bringing in a running back. I mean, I'm happy we actually didn't get Christian McCaffrey in the end. I think he'd be a great addition. Don't get me wrong. But again, you're making a massive sacrifice. You're giving up so much for a guy that may play, might get injured. It's Again, it's the running back position. I don't place a high priority on it. I'm just saying in terms of the trade deadline, looking at guys we need, maybe we could use that. I also don't think it's out of the question that they would give Bobby Hart a chance. I know he's looked a lot better when he has played. Apparently the coaching staff has been very impressed with him. I know Deion Dawkins was very impressed with how far he's come. Maybe that's something they consider just given how bad Bates has looked, which is shocking. Because he looked really good last year, but he has struggled. Spencer Brown obviously has taken a massive step good back. On the left side. True. He didn't play right guard, and it is a different position. So to me, um, you know, having him play out of position maybe wasn't the best decision by the Bills. So I don't totally blame Ryan Bates. You know, maybe they they picked the wrong player to sign. I, Sappho has looked fine. I think he's hasn't been incredible. I think he's looked fine. But maybe they should have looked to sign a right guard instead of Sappho. But, you know, nit nitpicking. So we're going to move on to the final segment here. We only got a, a, about a minute or two left. So we're just going to plow through this one. Let's talk about the upcoming matchup. I mean, to be honest, there isn't a lot to talk about. The Packers have looked horrible. They look bad on defense. They look bad on offense. Aaron Rodgers, clearly there's some turmoil going on. He's having issues with his receiving core. Basically, to me, keys of the game here. I got it marked here. It's really simple. Get up early and play your game. The Packers are an inferior team. Make them look like it. You know, the Bills sometimes play down to their opponent. We've seen this before. <clears throat> the Miami Dolphins. I don't want to see that again. I want to see us really take it to them. Make Rodgers pay. Did you know what the spread is, Kev? It's 10 and a half points. That's the first time Aaron Rodgers has ever, ever been a double digit. Ever. We play properly. We should be able to win by three touchdowns. I don't see, I don't see why we can. If we can stop the run, force Aaron Rodgers... To, to try and throw to his receivers that he has very little connection with, we shouldn't really have any trouble in this game. Every NFL game is tough, so you never know what could happen in a game. But like you said, just play our game, 
take it to them early, stop the run. They can get to third and 10 and try to throw it down the field and let us intercept it. Yeah, very simple. You heard it from us at Herd in 10 Podcast. Again, if you're listening to our show on video, please like, subscribe on YouTube, whatever you got to do. But more importantly, check out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can sign up for the app there and listen to us live every Monday night. You can listen to a whole slew of shows. It's an incredible radio network. There's some great stuff there if you're a huge sports fan. This is the place to be. So please go to the App Store, subscribe to us, and download the Radio Sports app wherever you are. The Worldwide Sports Radio app. Go ahead, download it, and check us out. We'll be back next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.